announcement has been paid for by the New World Order. Ciao ragazzi, welcome, good morning, good day, whatever, wherever you are in the world, uh, welcome to another edition of City A Sit Down, your podcast on World Football Index. I am not Frank Carvillo, nor is he. Welcome to a special edition of Aussie Rules edition of uh, City A Sit Down. We are going to be talking only Derby Milano for the Champions League. Of course, I'm here with uh, Anthony, good friend from Inter Worldwide. Good morning, welcome, good day. Oh man, good evening from Sydney, Australia here, but what a what a blessing it is to see your face here. And it's great to be here, man. And great to great to talk about the Derby as well, man. It's it's a busy, yeah. busy schedule for both of our clubs at the moment. It's just the start of May and we are nowhere near done with this month, either of us. I know, yeah, it's a hectic month for both of us. Both of our teams are vying for Champions League positioning as well. Uh, your team with an impressive win against uh, Roma this past weekend. Our team beat Lazio. So the Roman clubs are struggling at the moment, and the Milan clubs are, are, are rising, but we'll see how that ends up at the end of the season. Um, yeah, Champions League, we're two days away from the first leg of the of the Derby Milano Champions League semifinals. Almost 20 years ago to the, t- the exact date when these two teams last played each other, um, for those who don't remember, uh, the first leg, in Milan, uh, to, Milan was a home in the first one. They 0-0. The game ended there. Second leg, 1-1. Milan went, went ahead on on the away, league, away goals rule. Away goals don't apply anymore. Um, crazy atmosphere at the moment. Uh, thoughts? I mean, last time we talked, which was on your show, uh, I think we both thought that Inter had a slight advantage going into this, uh, this tournament. Obviously, some, some things have transpired since then, including uh, one Rafa Leao picking up an injury this weekend. Um, how are you feeling heading to uh, two days from now? I think it's going to be tense. I think it's going to take a while for the game to produce anything that opens it up in any way, shape, or form. You know, this is a two-leg, 180-minute tie that both sides will will look to unlock opportunistically. I'm more interested in how Milan are going to approach this game after you know a big key piece of the, uh, of your puzzle is now most likely not going to start the game. Let's just maybe just say that. Um, So most likely not going to start the game. So whilst I am still confident in a sense that you guys losing Liao sort of does, you know, eliminate a big attacking threat, it's a derby in the Champions League. It's going to be a game of errors and taking advantage of those errors. And I can just see mistakes making the difference, not only in this game coming up, Richie, but over the two-legged tie altogether. Yeah, that's true. And, uh, you know, we, as we saw yesterday, once again, um, Teo Hernandez likes to go coast to coast and score goals. He's done it twice now uh, at the San Siro. So, uh, you know, that could be unveiled as well. That could be a lead to a mistake as well, right? So, uh, so many things to play for. Um, you know, heading into after both both these teams, their last games in the Champions League, you know, both teams did obviously phenomenally well. Milan shut down, you know, the, shut down Napoli. You guys have just gone through your second uh, Portuguese giant. Uh, and scoring goals for fun, you know, scoring goals away, uh, do, doing impressive work there. And, you know, both teams are doing their bit in Champions League. Um, it's it's safe to say that both Pioli and Inzaghi are certainly cup managers, despite what you want to say in the league. Uh, they're doing the job in the cups. And Inzaghi, start with Inzaghi there. 
He's been doing this since the Lazio days, right? This is not this is nothing new to him. He he took Lazio a, a Lazio team with no depth at all, and took him out of the group stage into the into the into the knockouts. Now he's got now you got you guys in the semifinals, two games away from possibly the finals. Uh, thoughts on Inzaghi and how he's performed in the cup so far? Um, to your expectations, better, lower? I don't think anybody expected him to make it out of the group, let alone to the semi-final this season of the Champions League. You know, he, he loves a good cup. He loves a good playoff competition. And I guess it doesn't surprise me that when push came to shove and Inter was really backed into a corner in Serie A in the last three or four weeks, each game in Serie A sort of became a cup final on its own. And that's yeah. how we've scrapped together 12 points out of 12 to get to the position that we're in now, still within a fighting chance of top four, because that's just going to go right down to the final day. But Going back to your original question about the Cups, he is a Cup merchant. He loves a Cup win. He was very successful at Lazio. Had a couple of good wins over Juventus there. And he's continued it here. I'm pretty confident that he'll go into the match against Fiorentina in the Coppa Italia very much wanting to win that as well. Yeah. Um, but I do I do see that as a very, very difficult fixture against a, a Fiorentina side that, you know, will go into that match like, you know, it's one of their most important games in their recent history as well. For the Champions League, it's, I mean, it's, it's his first time this far into the tournament. It's Pioli's first time into the tournament. Both of them must be really enjoying the ride. Both of them must be absolutely shitting their bricks. I'm sorry for swearing on your podcast. but We do it all the time. <laughs> but that, that's the way I must see it. So it's going to come down to mistakes and tactics. Inzaghi, I think that this can save his job but I'm not too sure if he wants to save his job, Richard. I have a gut feeling that something in the background has already been agreed upon and that Simone Inzaghi is on his way out of Inter. And this is sort of more like a parting gift as if to say, look, in any other circumstance, buddy, 11 league losses, I think we might have had to have pulled the plug at eight or nine because this is Inter we're talking about. I mean, if that was you, Richie, if you saw Milan lose 11 games this season, wouldn't you start throwing questions at the manager? And I, well, I'm someone that was very against the whole Inzaghi out brigade because trust me, that brigade's been in since last season. It took me up until about loss eight or nine to get there this season. That's interesting. Uh, and we, you know, Frank and I have talked about the mentalities of different teams in the Champions League and 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 how they feel it versus their season, right? And hearing you say, you know, Inzaghi out. Uh, not that Pioli has been training since he was hired, um, but uh, you know, yeah, eleven losses is a lot, right? Uh, and then you're in the, in the semi in the semifinals. Obviously, it sounds like uh, from usually from the fan base that they take the league very very seriously, and that yeah. eleven losses is unacceptable. On the flip side, uh, while the many the Milan Twitter fan base would tell you the same thing, um, what the hierarchy will tell you and what history will tell you is that Milan is a Champions League team, not a league team, uh, and having those kind of losses or having the season we're having right now. Yes, it's it's infuriating, but we're in the semifinals. If you were going to the finals and maybe even win it, that's a successful season. Uh, and I and I've I've, I've said this many many times that Milan have won seven Champions League titles. Only once out of those seven times did they win a Scudetto that same year. Every other year they yeah. averaged third or fourth position. So yeah. they don't do well when they do well in the Champions League. So I think uh, in this instance, I think Pioli his job is safe no matter what. I think because he got this far. I would I, I I would think that Inzaghi's job is safe, but you know, you know, here from Inter side and Inter and other teams like Real and 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 Bayern, you know, their their priority is the league. And if you don't do well in the league, doesn't matter what you do in the Champions League. If you do poor in the league, you're out. Uh, so it sounds like that's where we may be heading with Inzaghi. Um, certainly a cup merchant, like you said, and will be an interesting tie against Fiorentina and the Coppa Italia uh, to possibly get a double for you guys this year. 
Um, you know, and same thing with Inzaghi, with uh, Pioli. He's not been training as well in the league as Inzaghi lately. Uh, has been some uh, some jarring draws and and weird results for 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 them. But even though they won, Milan did uh, this past weekend against Lazio two nothing. Um, what we've seen in the Champions League is as soon as they did what they had to do to get out of the group stages, and then all of a sudden become this defensive stalwart, much like the team that won the Scudetto last year, uh, just mm. marching their way through the Champions League uh, round by round. Um, and so what Pioli has the team doing right now is playing very disciplined defensive ball. Great to have Mike Magnon back because he's obviously going to help them um, calm, the, calm the waters down in the back. And then, again, time to play from some key players, not just like guys like Leao and Giroud. It's Salamakers, it's Messias, Krunic. The unsung heroes are stepping yeah. up in the Champions League with what Milan needs, and they'll need all bit of that to go against Inter uh, because this is uh, certainly, certainly going to be Derby Milano. A lot on the line, as you, as you mentioned. You know, Both teams are trying to get into the top four. Um, it's going to be difficult. I think it, it seems like in this moment, I mean, obviously we don't know what Lazio and Juventus are going to do uh, and even Atalanta to an extent, but it seems like maybe one of these teams are not going to make the top four this year, which would be a big, great travesty because I think both these teams plus Juventus deserve and Napoli deserve to be in the Champions League because of how good they are in Europe. Uh, thoughts on, you know, maybe one of these teams not making the top four this year. Well, I think, you know, I can count probably the fingers on one hand how many times I want Juve to win a game of football. And even though the game against Atalanta this morning was not one of those times and won't contribute, it was very close because it was getting too congested for too many teams for my liking at this point of the season, Richie. Like, it's match day 34, and we were still going back as far as seventh on the ladder. And realistically, we shouldn't be counting Roma out yet because on the ladder, five points can still be made up in four games. But looking at their squad depletion, looking at the fact that they've got Leverkusen as well in the Europa League, I think it's almost a safe bet to say that Roma is not going to occupy one of those top four spots this season, yeah. unfortunately. Good effort from them, from Mourinho. They've, they've received the rough end of the stick. I don't think this season's Serie A, whoever finishes sixth or seventh, might, might not be the fairest reflection of their season um, because it could very well happen to one of us still as well. And even though we've, we've considered it a poor season by our standards, I still don't think it would have reflected a sixth or seventh place finish, even if we were to cop that end going into the end of the campaign. Atalanta, on the other hand, really could have used a point today. They really could have used even just one point, let alone all three, because even though their fixture list isn't the hardest, I think that they will struggle against us coming to us at home. I do expect us to beat them, them visiting us at that point of the season, even though it won't be easy. So I think that they gave up a couple of chances, not only in this game. I know they had those three wins back to back, but I know they lost a mother match um, just before that. I forget who it was against. Um, but yeah, Atalanta, even though they're a little bit behind the pack, still in with a great chance. It could be you guys. It could be us. I don't think it will be Juve unless they end up back in court and they have points docked again, which yeah. I have no idea. when. Do you know when that next thing's going on? No, my, my guess is that both for them and even, even Napoli to an extent, uh, their results are not going to happen until in the summertime, I would guess. So mm. we wouldn't know anything until then, probably. Yeah, there you go. So just going by what we know at the moment, I think Juve have almost done enough um, to get themselves a spot. I was surprised more than anybody that Lazio's dropped nine points out of their last 12. I thought that they were really doing well, eliminated oh, yeah. from European football, only had to focus on, you know, getting the important wins on the calendar, sneaking a draw here and there, but they have just suffered, you know, three losses in four matches. That's how you really turn it around. Like, that's how you really turn it around in a bad way because yeah. we got 12 points in a row. 
you guys have strung together a nice run of form. I think, what was the game that you dropped recently? But And that was the only glitch recently? Uh, it was a draw against uh, a relegation team. Who was that? Um, I can't even remember now. Was it Spetsy? No, who was it? Uh, Cremonese? Cremonese. Cremonese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got two points from you this season, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah they do. There you go. Relegation teams get more points in the top seven, which is crazy. Um, yeah. I was saying uh, Pioli's job is safe, but I think, you know, that's assuming he gets in the top four. Uh, no, not getting the top four is a big if at the moment. Um, and there's also the whole Redbird dilemma. If you know if they make Europa League, then Toulouse is out because that's another team managed yeah. by Redbird. So I don't know, man. It's it, it, it is difficult at the moment. I think both teams, both Inter and Milan, want this Champions League title. One, it'll help solidify their season and guarantee them Champions League next year. Yeah. Um, but two, it'll it'll uh, quash all the naysayers because no one in the world outside of Milan fans and Inter fans are giving these two teams a chance in the in the semifinals and yeah. then, I mean in, in going into the finals against whoever it is Man City or Real Madrid the smaller of the two ties here uh let's be honest <laughs> um but um yeah all to play for in this one um uh, we we talked about this on your podcast how uh, maybe Inter are the better of the two teams at the moment slight advantage slight advantage between the two teams at the moment just because the way of their cup form, right? Not that both teams aren't winning, but I think Inter are doing it in a way where not only they're doing defensively, but they're scoring goals. And they're scoring lots of goals home and away. Uh, they're finding ways to get results. They seem to be a different beast in the Champions League versus the league this year. Um, and it, they, they seem to turn it up another level. Lukaku and Martinez are starting to really cut, wake up out of their little coma that they had like midseason here. Um, and that's the only, that only spells disaster for, for you know, Milan or anyone else that gets in their way. I'd like to think so. Uh, that'd be that's very nice of you to say. Thanks, <laughs> but it's it's just the state. The stage is so big. It's such a big stage. Uh, I was trying to ask myself the other day: Would have I preferred to play Milan in a semi final, or would have I preferred just a random team in Europe, a random big team? And I'm literally split right down the middle, 50-50. I mean, this is this is such a joyous occasion. I mean, go figure that the first time that both of our clubs get this far again in the competition, we come up together against each other. It's poetic as hell. Yeah. So there's no way that I'd change it for anything. But there's just that so that bigger element of nerves that come with it. I think it's gonna be a big, a big, big and I don't think necessarily that both teams will go hell for leather in this first leg. Like, I really want to stress that a lot. It's because similar to 20 years ago, right? Because there's a lot really of tension is. back then. Yeah, 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 it is. But this time around, you've got that element of no side. Not only is neither side comfortable for top four or qualified. I mean, how good yeah. would it be to have a season in Serie A where you didn't drop maybe two or three of the games that you guys dropped or two or three of the games that we dropped? We could be looking at these fixtures in Serie A going, wow, seven-point cushion. Eight point cushion over fifth. We are, we've got this Champions League, man. We're gonna go for it, man. But we we don't not have to a, be, <laughs> not to be, not to be. We're gonna have to do it the hard way. We're gonna have to hustle. Just in reply to Dominic's comment, in terms of digital bits, they haven't paid us a cent this season, not one cent. So they've paid they paid Roma, but they stopped paying Roma only about six weeks ago or something like that, um, or two months ago, something like that. Uh, but they haven't paid us a cent. The reason why we've kept them on our shirts this season, most fans think, is because we probably plan to take them to court or something. But then again, I asked the question, how do you sue a company that can't afford to pay you? I don't know. This is where my legal knowledge absolutely comes <laughs> to an end. I don't know what happens. So we'll see what happens there. But we have dropped Digital Bits as our sponsor, and I am an absolute sucker for a sponsorless kit. Oh, my God. They look so beautiful. Yeah, I, I love a yeah. kit without a sponsor. Yeah. yeah. Especially uh, historic ones like yeah, the ones for Inter or Milan, uh, and for sure that yep. would look uh, very beautiful. Um, 
yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how uh, this this game shapes out. Um, tensions and nerves are going to be at play. They were twenty years ago. You know, you talk to some legends, Zanetti, Maldini. They all they'll tell you mm. it was nerves. It was for the six days or whatever it was between the two games uh, in the city, and it will be again. And while these two teams have been playing wonderful football uh, in Europe, you have to imagine that a game of this atmosphere, two managers who've never been here before, right? Never in this yeah. kind of this kind of stage. Some, it's gonna be a little bit conservative in this one, you would think. Mm. Um, and, and in the past, when we've played, at least on the Milan side of things, when when they played the derby in the league, um, the, some of the managers that when they come out in the derby have played very conservatively. Gattuso and some of these other guys uh, that uh, that that were managing, and is the whole the atmosphere they 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 play to the moment, and that kind of gets you out of your elements. So you don't play exactly the way you should be playing. We could see this in this in this game where both managers would say decide to be conservative, not to go all out like you mentioned. Uh, kind of want to play close to the vest and maybe see a very very close look at two affairs where it's not many goals in the in the game and maybe like in two thousand three, well you'll have two goals in the whole leg and two legs. Who knows? Um, if if that were to happen, where both teams come out conservatively. How do you see Inter coming out? Because I see Milan coming out. If they play defensively, that kind of goes to or conservatively, that kind of goes to their benefit because that's kind of how they've been playing recently. Honestly, uh, the play defensive, don't give up, give up much, and then play on the counterattack and go for the goals. Now, Inter, their specialty is the counterattack this season. It appears it seems to be, but I think a conservative game plan would actually suit Milan very well. Does would that suit Inter well if they play conservative in the Champions League, despite how they've been playing recently? Look, Inter is still a side that needs space to unlock teams, especially if you're going to play a striker like Lukaku up front. I know that Lautaro Martinez does a great job carrying men, but us on the transit and the counter-attack as well, we're very, very good this season. I think both of us sides do a very good job at like nowhere near parking the bus, but just allowing other teams just that little bit more confidence to try and play themselves out of trouble. And then before you know it, the press kicks in very, very nice, especially around that, that midsection of the ground. I think it will be very physical in the midsection of the ground. I expect a couple of yellow cards um, as well. Uh, just fun little side question. If you were to pick one of your players to get a yellow card in the first leg, who would you say? Oh, the first leg, uh, certainly Teo Hernandez and probably Krunic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, those are two good picks. Those are two good picks. Not Tonali? Uh, oh, yeah, he probably would too. He probably yeah. would. All three of them, all three of them would get it. There's going to be a lot of yellow yeah. cards. There's going to be a lot of fouls in, this, in, in both legs. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. I guarantee it. How about you? I can, almost, I, I can almost guarantee you right now, but I get a yellow card. If not the oh, first yeah. leg, definitely the second. Like, that's happening for sure. Yeah, that's happening yeah. for sure. But in, reply, like, in terms of setups and stuff, I do expect you guys to go a little bit more defensive. Um, but now that you don't have Rafael um, Leal to go on the break, I'll ask you this question in a second um, about how I think that you guys are going to line up specifically and how you guys are going to approach it when you do have the ball. But for Inter, it's going to be just about playing the best players and seeing what they can do in their roles because we we are not such a one-dimensional team this season. I think when Inter gel, we can actually when we're doing well when the players convert their chances, we are threatening from multiple ranges. I mean, Hakan is just having a fantastic season. Once yeah. again, Henrik Mkhitaryan, as I like to call him, players like he and Eden Dzeko, for as much criticism as they cop about their age, they're, they're the last of a dying breed of athlete, mate. Their professionalism is exactly what keeps them going to this level. It's absolutely phenomenal to watch them put in these sort of performances because I, I just think it's really, really nice to see. And I, I'd be yeah. keeping both of them for another season at Inter if I need to. At the same time, it could be a game out of magic moments. And that's what I actually think is going to happen. Either a game, uh, uh, two legs full of errors and players that can capitalize on those errors and a magic moment or two to seal the deal. 
But yeah, oh. but my question to flip it back on you was pretty much how you how are you gonna line up without Liao? What's the approach now? Because if it was with Liao, then I guarantee you it just would have been on the break, on the break, on the break the whole game. Yeah, uh, Divock Rigi. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, cer I certainly think it's going to be a 4-2-3-1 formation. I think yeah. and instead of Leao, you're going to have Rebic. I, I believe he's probably the most experienced of the of the, of the attackers that the Milan have at their disposal. Um, so you probably won't see much deviation. You'll probably see Brahim on the right in the center. Yeah. You'll probably see Ben Asser with Tonali and Kurnic in the middle. Uh, and then Rebic out left. And then, you know, He'd probably be on a short leash. I imagine maybe if he gets 60 minutes, you'll probably try to bring in some guy. Um, you got a few options, not many great options, but Salamakers is a guy you could always bring on. He's been having – he does really well in the Champions League for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. uh, Junior Messias as well has played so much above expectations in the Champions League. Um, you obviously have um, Salamakers is another guy you could bring on as well. And uh, you could do a few things, probably bring more midfielders in too, probably bring guys like, you know, Vronk and – uh, and a few others there to kind of clog that midfield because it, it's going to be a defensive battle, I think, over two legs. Um, and the little things are going to matter. Uh, and it could be unsung heroes, right? Uh, at least on our side, it could be guys like, you know, Asalamakers, who's come up big in the Champions League for us. And, and for you guys, I mean, who do you who do you see as an unsung hero coming that, that could possibly win it that's not on the starting 11? Not on the starting 11. Walking Korea? Hero. Oh, God, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, everyone, everyone seems to hate uh, walking Korea for good reason, though. For good reason. Oh, did we lose you, mate? Let's give it a second to kind of reset here. I, I threw him so much by calling walking Korea, it just kind of froze his screen there. Which uh, it's all right, it's understandable. <laughs> uh, well, while he while he's hanging tight there, uh, guys like Salamakers or Junior Messi are guys who could come up big, uh, as is Rade Krunic, right? Uh, never discount guys like Tenali as well, but. Uh, I feel like it won't be the, the your standout strikers, standout scorers are going to be uh, scored in these games here. Uh, let's see if we get Anthony here. There he Wait, is. Wait, yeah, I'm there back. He is. Sorry, he's back. Hey. All right. Yeah, I said, Korea like and a... threw up the podcast. Oh, oh man, oh, I kept talking for like a good 20 <laughs> seconds as well. So, what was the last thing I said? Uh, last, th last thing I said was I asked you about walking Korea, then it, all hell went to lose. So, back to, so, who would be your unsung hero if not walking Korea? Okay, well, it definitely wasn't Joaquin Correa, that's for sure. So <laughs> going back to that, you know, it could be the game where it's just set up for anybody. Like, it would not surprise me whatsoever to see Danilo D'Ambrosio come on and score a header at the back post. And just that, that be yeah, his absolute yeah. crowning moment of his inter-career as he phases out um, here. Carried because off legend. We, we, we don't really have too many unsung heroes on the, on the bench, so to speak. But we do have players that love to just get minutes and rise to any single occasion. Like Joaquin Correa had his moment against Benfica. Um, yeah. scored the fourth goal in that in that second leg game. For me, it is more about the starters, though, in this one. It's more about your Lautaros or your Lukaku's or your Jekylls. One of those three will come off the bench. It's not going to be Lautaro, surely. It has to be either Lukaku or Jekyll. That And I... I think that we should, we should start Lula. I mean, they're in form. We've got yeah. to start them both. Um, even though Lukaku started on the weekend, I don't see why he can't start this one again. But it wouldn't start. It wouldn't surprise to see me um, for me to see Inzaghi go conservative and start Eden Dzeko up top. That will rattle the feathers a little bit, though, of a few fans. I know that for a fact, if we don't go full strength into that lineup. So for me, if we're going to have an unsung hero off the bench, it's going to be either Lukaku or probably Dzeko, whichever one doesn't start as well. It's not going to be Correa, and it's not going to be Gagliardini. Uh, those are interesting shots as well. It's funny. I mean, like I said, like I was saying, 
when you whenever you bring a walk in Korea, it's uh it's either very few pros and everybody else is like get the hell out of here right get the hell out of here yeah um but uh well, actually i forgot yeah. there was one thing because i saw him training today it missed my mind apparently robin gossens could make the bench Ooh. and if if he does i don't know if i'd want to force him this soon because we've still got a lot of football to play this season but he definitely can be an impact difference maker even if it's just for 15 20 minutes he just gives his all uh, robin yeah. gossens for only 20 25 minutes off the bench is proper artillery uh, absolutely. And I, as someone I actually fear for for the longest time, even back into his Atalanta days, a guy who knows how to get into the box and score goals, left back my ass. He is a left winger and attacker. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, going back to, you know, look at these, look at both these clubs here, um, looking at each position to see who has an advantage, if there is a, an advantage, right? Um, you start obviously in goal uh, between Mike Magnon and Onana. Um, two goalkeepers are playing very well at the moment. I would give I would tip the hat at the moment to Magnon, but it's it's two positions, two players who I think are pretty close in skill. I think uh, both are very do excellent uh, in terms of distribution, uh, shot stopping, reflexes. Thoughts on who may have advantage in this position and goalkeeper between Onana and Magnon, in your opinion? Uh, look, M Magnon Magnon is the better goalkeeper still, in my opinion. Onana's fantastic. Don't get me wrong. Um, yeah. What an acquisition for free. So confident on the ball. I mean, when you go from Handanovic to Onana's progression up the pitch and <laughs> distribution of the ball, it's like it's really like up giving yourself an extra man on the pitch. Mike Magnani is just incredible the way he commands his goal and his area. Although there are similarities to the two, I just find Mike, Yan, my, my, yeah, Mike Magnani's reflexes just to be that little bit better than Onana, but just his overall physical presence and his communication with his defense. He is a fantastic goalkeeper. In hindsight, like we didn't see it at the time, Milan fans and non-Milan fans, but that whole Donnarumma out for Magnan is just such a good look now. Such a good look. Beautiful. Really, really good. A chef's kiss there for sure. Uh, yeah, no, 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 no doubt about that. Magnan is probably arguably one of the best goalkeepers in the world at the moment. Definitely, definitely. Who do you expect to be the back, I guess in your case, three uh, to start in this game against uh, Milan? It'll be Bastoni... Acerbi and Darmian to start okay. this game in the back three. Forza Matteo Darmian, one of the most underrated players of yeah. our generation. He's just, I don't know why he doesn't get Big more game call ups for the Azuri. I don't know why he doesn't get more call ups for the Azuri. I don't know why. And he's just, he's such a professional. He's just, he's gotten better for us as he's gone by with the club. He's a big game player. Yeah. He and everybody, everybody says it like you. Who remembers when Matteo Damian has had one bad game for us since he signed? And I don't think many, many fans can recall it. They won't be able to pinpoint you a single game or who we played against where they could put their hand up and go, I remember when Matteo Damian played shit against such and such because of such and such. Can't no. do it. No. Doesn't exist. You have to go back to the <laughs> so, United days when he's in Manchester United, right? So. 100%. 100%. Um, so he... To jump into that role, Richie, after the Skriniar debacle, it's just... Mm. It's very professional. It's yeah. something that we we didn't really think that we would be able to have because although he has displayed professionalism before, you're asking Matteo Damian to now step into the right center back role occupied by the interim captain who was being offered the captainship and a new contract and he's knocked it yeah. back. And on top of that, he's not too sharp on the pitch and then his fitness is low and then he's got a really bad injury. It's just an absolute nightmare. Um and now he's watching from the sidelines as his team in the semifinals. I don't think Milan Skriniar saw this coming for the life of him. <laughs> no, he didn't. Sure. And you might know, he's, he's, he might have stayed. 
Well, yeah, he's probably watching what's going on in Paris at the moment and going, oh, that's where I'm going. All right. That's not that, that's not what they put on the front of the brochure. That's for damn sure. Um, but full credit to Matteo Damian, and he's he's going to be a tough nut, a tough nut to crack at the back. How do you see this back three lining up against a back four of Milan with more likely it's going to be Calabria, Kiar, Tamori, and Teo Hernandez back there? Um, is there an advantage either way? Uh, obviously, you know, the way your back three has been playing as of late has been phenomenal. Acherby's kind of come into his own with that whole screen yard debacle. Bastoni's provided magical assists after magical assists. Mm-hmm. And Darmian just continues to be a fantastic, steady player who doesn't seem to have any any lulls. Um, tell me how you think the back the, the, the two defenses line up against each other. I think, obviously, with our defense just being a little bit more compact and not having the width that yours has, it's pretty much just... The way that we bring the ball out is always going to look a little bit differently. And I think Bastoni, the way he brings the ball out, is really starting to just become one of the best ball-playing centre-backs that I can see in Europe at the moment. I can see why a lot of clubs are going to come for this guy's signature. Just from not taking my inter-goggles off, from a purely athletic, aesthetic, physical standpoint from his attributes, I'm like, holy shit, how are we going to hang on to this guy? It's going to be really, really hard. I'm glad he's a fan, but, you know, I don't know how how that's going to still play out for the majority and longevity of his career. Teo Hernandez is world-class. He's the best left-back in the league. Also, yeah. you could also say left-back my ass in a sense as well. But actually, you can't say that because defensively, he's gotten so much better in the last yes. 15 months. He actually has. You know, you could have made the argument for this a season and a half ago that, yeah, but he can't really defend very well. But guess what? Yeah. You learn as you do in Serie A, believe it yeah. or not. Um, you play for Maldini, you got to learn to play the defense. 100%. 100%. <laughs> I'm actually pretty interested because with Teo's position, yes, obviously there's going to be some jewels with Matteo Damian, but we all know that Denzel Dumfries also Dumfries. is the biggest, biggest big and Teo Hernandez fan as well. And Dumfries, a player that I was very critical about halfway through the season, he's really started to come good at the back half of this season as well. Very physical. When he bursts through space, like he's very, very hard to stop. Yes. Um, and he's gotten that confidence to try and beat a man in defense as well. Doesn't mind putting a cross in. His crosses aren't great, but... He is actually putting crosses in and beating the first man, which is something he was struggling with as well. So, Teo up against Dumfries, that's that's going to be a cracker, man. And and Dumfries is also he does well with his head in the box as well. Mm. Uh, this is why this is why I think Teo's going to get a yellow in the first leg because of Dumfries. I think that the rivalry that they have with each other, head to head, they they don't like each other at all. Uh, they're both very skilled players, uh, and so th- this is going to be high tension from the get go. I would not be surprised if uh, Teo Hernandez picks up a yellow in the first half of the first game uh, because I think uh, it's going to be fun to watch. And it's interesting, you, you know, who gets the advantage in this edition of Dumfries versus uh, Teo Hernandez? It's interesting one because, like you said, Teo's kind of focused this year on defensive, you know, uh, solidity before he does anything else. And he his runs up, like we saw this past week against Lazio, they're very rare now. Uh, he doesn't push up as much. He does it when, when a team has the possession. But for the most part, he likes to stay back and, and – and and play well defensively. That's his number one job, and it's shown as as, as Milan has gone through here in the last you know twenty twenty three. They've gotten better and better defensively, and a lot in large part due to Teo Hernandez focusing more on defensive areas. So I don't know. This is going to be interesting. Interesting take. Like I said, Teo Hernandez is a world class player, and so you have to give him the advantage. But I mean, Dumfries is very dangerous player. We saw that back in his days. As Akmar, uh, he he is certainly a player to watch for. You cannot discredit him at all because he can get in the box. He's very sneaky. If you, you take your eye off of him, he'll he'll get in there and then find all of a sudden he's alone in the box and he's going to get score a goal. So um, definitely must 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 see TV there. 
the midfield, I think this obviously, and this is a stupid cliche, I guess, but it's true. The midfield is going to win this more than likely. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're probably going to go with a five man midfield. We're going to probably go with a three man midfield. Um, uh, you know, Benacer, Tonali, and Krunic, who've been compact, they've been uh, feeding off each other, they've been rotating their positions. At, at times, Krunic goes up, at times, Tonali goes up. They know each other so well, uh, and, and have kind of stepped up another level here in, in the Champions League. Uh, tell us who you think your top, your, your midfield five are going to be. Uh, and how they stack up against this mid- Milan midfield, and who's going to win the uh, the possession battle? Well, we mentioned Dumfries already on the right. Um, it's obvious that Nico Barella is going to be starting in there as well. Now, we've got our full fitness midfield pretty much back, so it's going to come down to whether or not um, Chananolu starts in front of Mkhitaryan, and I think everybody's saying that he will. Uh, same with Brozovic as well. So there was obviously a period of time where Brozovic was out injured. And I think, as I sort of alluded to before, that Mikatarian just really took it in his stride this season coming yeah. in when Hakan had to play a deeper role. And then when Brozovic came back and Hakan unfortunately got injured simultaneously, we obviously needed Mikatarian to push up further up the pitch. Really is a great player just getting that ball and pushing it forward from midfield to the final third and linking up to the attack. So I'm looking forward to him as a substitute as well um, coming up. Coming off, and maybe I should have mentioned him earlier as one of the unsung yeah. heroes um, coming yeah. off. I can, he completely um, slipped my mind. Maybe I just had him in subconsciously in my head as a starter. But for me, the midfield, obviously, all about... But just don't give Barella a look because he's so hungry. He's yeah. so hungry. Oh, yeah. He'll miss He'll miss a few. Don't worry. He'll miss a few lasers, but he will keep... I love a player that doesn't stop shooting until the 94th minute because yeah. that's yeah. how they end up grabbing their goal in the end. Um, Hakan's pretty much the same. Brozovic, I think he's gotten over his little whingy period because now we're in the Champions League semi-final. It's something new for him. He's got to get behind it. The midfield battle is going to be something else. And then on the left-hand side, it's obviously going to be Uno di noi, Federico Di Marco, um, our, our very own ultra himself. Yeah. What, a season for, what a season for him, man. I can't help but Unbelievable. absolutely be, be so happy for the kid, bro. Um, he's, he's loving life here. And he's someone I can definitely see captaining us um, when it's his turn. I see it almost as an as an inevitable option because wow. that's what that's what that's what real passion is all about. He's a proper proper interista, and I think physically he's just really come through on his own this season. His crosses yeah. are absolutely great; can really rip a ball in, and lately he just loves to grab a goal as well. So that's our midfield. Um, I won't go in too in depth for yours because, but yours still does scare the absolute shit out of me because Tonali and Benasser are fantastic midfielders. Yeah, and I think that the midfield battle is going to be so interesting. It's going to be a true chess match, I think, for sure. Uh, what we see with Milan is that um, they like to play whoever that front midfielder is, whether it's Benacer or Krunic, uh, they, they're the two that like to swap positions. Um, they will press up and try to cause that midfield to kind of lose it, force a turnover, honestly, uh, against that defense and that transition between defense to midfield. Uh, and so that's going to happen with the press there. Tonales is a physical beast. You know, people keep kind of compare him to Andrea Pirlo, but he's more in the Gattuso mold. He's telling you himself. Uh, he's a little bit of both because he can pass and he can defend. He likes to get, he likes to fight, right? Like Teo Hernandez, he likes to fight. He will get a yellow card. It's guaranteed. Um, and so having Krunic also there, who many of us la- scoffed at, especially Milan fans are like, oh, you know, just it's Ronnie Krunic, blah, blah, blah. He's come into his own. He's become a fantastic utility player for uh, Pioli. He's the teacher's pet, quote unquote, for, for Pioli. He's always going to get in there because he knows how to do his position. He doesn't make too many mistakes. Um, he isn't the most excellent player, but at times in the Champions League, he's coming to another level. We call we, we dub him Crunicino because he's pulled out some magical moves in, in, in the Champions League. And you're like, where did this come from? Him and Salamakers. 
so I expect that the midfield to work really well together, get that transition to go from defense to attack, uh, really providing the uh, attack as well with some options to try to score goals. Tonali can certainly shoot from, from distance. Ben Asier has come up with a lot of big goals here in the last month or two. Uh, had a fantastic goal against Lazio in the, uh, to open, open the score in there. Uh, and like I said, don't discount Krunic as well. So um, it's going to be an entertaining battle between these two midfields. It's, it's, it's hard to say who's gonna, who has the advantage because I think a lot of fantastic talking points from, from the inter side. I mean, Burrell is probably the X factor you have to watch, I think, between both teams. It's because... Like you said, he's a nonstop engine. He will continue to shoot from the first minute to the last minute, uh, and one of those are bound to be on target. Uh, he's just that kind of special player. You cannot forget about him. And he can hit the ball too, right? We saw it about Sony Tabarella and again against Benfica. Um, he he can get on goal no matter which way you want it. So uh, it's certainly a position uh, in the midfield where you're gonna have to watch. Uh, a, a, a part of the uh, an area where I think you guys certainly have the advantage is the attack. Um, Looking for Milan, obviously having Giroud, who's having an okay season. He's going to have to be big because he's going against, you know, a Cherby and, and whoever else maybe trying to guard him closely. Um, but no Leal. Leal, like to answer the question, Leal is not going to start the game for sure. He'll more than likely be on the bench because it's a quad injury. doesn't look too serious, but it's enough where he's not going to start. Uh, so lo- definitely look to see Rebic maybe start the game in this one. Um, that's going to be a massive downgrade for them. And then on the right-hand side, you got Brahim, who seems to be playing much better the second half. But you compare that to what Inter can throw out there. I think you guys certainly have the advantage. It doesn't matter because you got Lula, Lula. I call him Lulu Lemon, uh, starting up there for you guys. Um, tell me who you think. Tell me about the, your projected starts. Obviously, it's going to be Lula, uh, and how you think they fare against uh, Milan. Not only compared against Milan's offense, but how they go against his defense against Milan, which will be uh, stingy between you know Tomori and and Kiar. I love Tomori, and I really like Kiar. They're great defenders, but. Lula really likes playing against Milan. They really both like playing against you. If we go back to as far as just when um, Conte took over, they stepped up and played very well against Milan um, almost every single time. I think as the season has gone on, they've had no choice but to just really pull together and realize that, hey, we need to work harder together as a pair to really find that understanding again that, that, you know, was such a dynamic display only a couple of years before. So I'm confident that if we do go into this game and one and somebody is going to score for us, it is going to be one of those two players. It just depends on who's willing to take their chance of the day. The chances will come. Can they get them on target? The same way, can your boys get them on target? You know, can Giroud get in the right position to get the right headers in? I have no doubt that there will be aerial balls coming through. Um, yep. For you guys, there will also be some aerial balls coming through for us. Lautaro Martinez will pick the ball up half a dozen times on the outside of the area, maybe just in the first half. Will he dive a few times? Definitely. Um, we shoot once or twice, probably. Yeah, watch out for his dives because we're we're gonna get a lot of cheap free kicks, mate. In especially in your yeah. half of the pitch, <laughs> Barella too. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. Hey, we're coming to, we got some too. We're, right? we're coming to play the game for real. That's for sure. Yeah, I think oh, you're, you got your guys who do that. You know, we got Teo Hernandez, Tonali, you know, some of the oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, divers. So it'll be a dive. You're not, so, you're not so innocent. You're not so innocent. Some of the rougher players need to watch themselves, but especially yeah. like in the off play incidents, like things like semi rough tackles will be forgiven. Things mm, like pointing yeah. at someone in the face or slapping them a little bit or like knocking them a little bit won't fly. So the Teo, Barella, I hope that they're both being spoken to by management and by dressing room staff and say, I don't know, man, it's just, it's risky behavior. Cause this is the champions league. It's Europe. You don't know what the referees are going to be like. This is not a Sunday afternoon kickoff in Serie A against 
Well, that's the big X factor, right? Is the refereeing because we don't know. This is a derby. It's a huge game. And typically in Serie A, they will let these teams play for to an extent. And then once they start getting over the edge, that's when the yellow cards come out. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know. I don't know who the referee is at the moment, but we don't know how this referee is going to play this game. It's a huge game. You have to treat it like a Champions League final because two heated rivals, they they hate each other. Absolutely. But you also don't want to let them have free will and and kill each other out there, you know, and and someone get injured. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out because I think how the players react to the referee is going to be huge in this game because there are players for both teams are susceptible to a red card you know too many too many yellow cards or even a straight red because of the intense rivalry um that's going to be interesting to see how maybe the first 10 minutes how this referee allows or doesn't allow a play to happen i think hopefully like you said like allows the play to happen develop naturally yes let them yeah. the little niggles happen here and there let the game develop because if you have too many stop and starts it's going to take all the fun out of the game you're going to have a very similar game to you know Milan Juventus back in 2003 where just stop and start wasn't super entertaining football yeah yeah i think the referee will do well to let a couple of a couple of good challenges go in the first 10 15 minutes but you got to stay on top of it that being said i think there will be a lot yeah. of just just passing around i think there'll be a lot of passing around in the first 10 to 15 minutes that's for sure uh, before we go to predictions, if there's a player that you're worried could get a red card, whether it's straight red or, or double yellows, who would that player be for Inter? So who do I think it would be for my own team? Yeah. See, the thing with Barella is he doesn't get red cards. He seems to get yeah. a yellow card and then he seems to just float through the rest of the match, you know, rough, but nowhere near involved. Yeah. So I don't think he's going to get a red card. If I had to pick anybody to get a red card for whatever reason, Wow. That's a tough question because we're a pretty disciplined, well-disciplined side. Yeah, like when it comes to yeah. getting red cards, I guess just based on the sheer probability of him getting a double yellow, it probably has to be Barella. Maybe he does something silly at the start and silly at the end because I can't see anybody else getting getting sanctioned twice. Maybe Dumfries for an yeah. elbow that takes out an eye for a corner or a set piece. I'm just trying to see limbs flying now, Richie. I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> Maybe Lukaku shushes the wrong section of the crowd. And the oh, my gosh. Oh, and my gosh. Up. I don't know. Oh, I would have to say Barella double yellow is the only thing I'd say. What about I mean, you? Obviously, I, the first one that comes to mind is Teo Hernandez. I think yeah. he, he has done better, like, like Barella, where when he gets a yell, he kind of calms down. Uh, but again, you never know, especially going against Dumfries and uh, and Darmian. He may get so aggravated if he feels frustrated and uh, do a stupid foul. He's probably the first one I, I think of when I think of possibly red. Tonali seems to be the same way where he'll pick up yellow and then he'll calm himself down. My worry really is the defense because, you know, while Kiara is composed and, and, and knows what to do back there, you get a silly yellow card early on. If you do something and you catch something the wrong way, you can get a red. Tamori is my big worry, I think, because Tamori, mm. he likes to play aggressively. He likes to rely on his pace to try to catch up on the play. And when he goes for those dives, when he makes them, they're, they look fantastic. But when he misses, it gets costly. It could be a penalty, could be a red card. And uh, so my my actually big worry would be Tamori um, because this is a big occasion for him, right? He's not like he's been a starter for 10 years and he kind of could weather this thing. He's, he's only been a starter for a couple seasons now. Um and playing in the big occasion like this, will the will the occasion get to him? That'll be the the question for me. Um, I think if he picks up an early yellow, you have to keep an eye on it because he will not he will not slow down defensively, and he will continue playing the way he plays, and that could cost him an issue there. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, but like I said, I think both teams are pretty would would do well not to get that second yellow. 
Uh, but it's a derby. Anything can happen. You know the TIFOs are going to be amazing on both legs. I can't wait to see it. One of the most iconic TIFOs, for, at least from Milan's side of it, was in 2003 in the semifinals against you guys. Um, so I expect that to be the showstopper for both, for both legs, no doubt about it. Will we see flares? Probably. Will we see something like we saw in 2003? I don't know, but... Uh, it's certainly going to be a magical atmosphere. I just hope to God that our stream, which is here, it's uh, CBS Sports Colasso, show the the pregame stuff. Up. Don't because what they do if it's not the, the main event, it was the English team. Um, they'll start the game right at 45 minutes at the at the, at the hour mark or, what, or the zero mark minute mark. Uh, they need to start from the pregame because you need to see all the tifos, you need to see all the action coming up. Uh, see the players in warm up because it's just a special moment uh, when you ever see uh, Milan, the Milan derby playing, whether Champions League or in the league. So. Um, Prediction time. Uh, how do you see the first leg and maybe the two legs go? Honestly, I see the first leg ending 0-0. I think it's a bore draw. It won't be a boring game. <clears throat> Pardon me. Second yeah. half will be a lot more entertaining. But I don't think there's any more than a 1-1 in this. I could be wrong. I usually I usually am. Um, but <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I see it ending as a draw. I see it as a, ending as a draw. That's for sure. Um, I just don't know if I'm fully in on 0-0 or 1-1 just yet. If I was to guess 1-1, just to make it entertaining, I would say Lukaku goal and I think that you guys could score off, will score off a set piece. I'd like to give you guys a goal uh, maybe off Tamori or Kaya, okay. one of your centre-backs, off a free kick or maybe off a corner. Yeah. Okay. Otherwise, right. I would have go gone Leo for sure. Uh, I guess it's too early to go for prediction for two legs because we don't know what's going to happen, you know, the next time these teams play each other. But uh, yeah, that's a good shout for the first leg. Uh, I, so I will say, yeah, it's I, I I do think Inter are the the slight favorite at the moment, just the way they're playing in Europe overall compared to Milan. Um, but like you, I think it's going to be very conservative first leg. Um, this it's a whole new occasion for these two managers. They don't want to be the goat scapegoat uh, if if their team were to lose heavily. Uh, so I like that one one shout. I I really do. I wouldn't be surprised. You know, someone like a Barella type or even Lula score a goal yeah. uh, for Inter and then for Milan. You know, maybe a Salamakers or or a Leao in uh, in a in a support role. Uh, happens yeah. late in the game you know yep. it's gonna be an interesting game tight game over two legs no doubt about it it's gonna be intense atmosphere i can all that plus both teams are trying to make the top four it's uh yep. all the play for and who knows what the second leg brings because we don't know what these what's gonna be uh in store for us when that when that time comes but uh yeah it's gonna be interesting certainly i'm excited you're excited what time is the game on for you Local. 5 a.m. 5 a.m. kickoff Ooh. on Thursday morning. You're up That's anyway. perfect. You're up. It's perfect time. You. Perfect time. 5 a.m. Best time of the day. But the anxiety is just so high first thing <laughs> in the morning. Like I've said it on my channel recently in a couple of the bigger games this season, man. I actually haven't watched the second half. I've just started walking my dog and turned my notifications on. Like I've been that. It was the second leg against Benfica. I was stressed. I was proper stressed. I just had a really important day and I couldn't do it at home. I was just pacing around the, the room like a madman. I couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, that said it will be crazy. Uh, Mr. Swiftly says it right. Guys, get ready for penalties. Get your painkillers. Get your medicine. Keep your doctors close and get ready. 100%. 100%. That's for the entire week of this two legs. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's the game is at 2.45 or 3 o'clock uh, p.m. So it's a nice time for me because I just get out of work. Um, 
so it will be interesting. I might have to tell the wife to pick up the kids at that time. We'll see. Um, we'll see how that works. But uh, yeah, it's going to be nerves, nerves galore, especially, you know, we'll see after, after the first leg, especially if it's a tie going into that second leg where it's really all to play for at that point. Uh, and, and both teams are still on the cusp of making or not making Champions League. It's so much at stake at the moment uh, for both these teams, not only in Champions League, but also in the league as well. And even for you guys in Copa Italia, uh, it's going to be a true spectacle for City A, uh, for the Milan Derby, and I think for European football as a whole. Uh, yeah. And I think hopefully my, my, my hope is that whoever comes out of this two legs here wins the whole damn thing because uh, screw Real and screw Man City, I think. They're not getting these two teams aren't, aren't getting any love from anybody else, and it would be not it would make, it make me so happy. If this, but one of these two teams won the title, uh, over the other two teams, so uh, that's where I'll leave it at, I guess. No, well said, man. I think it's going to be you said it best when you said it's not just big for the city, it's huge for European football. European yeah. football needed something like this, and yeah. I'm glad that we're here because if there's one thing that people realize more than anything, it's just being there in the semi final and the final. and Regardless of how we do end the season in Serie A, I think that both of us have really still made progress in yeah. etching our name forward in European football. Yeah, 100%. Absolute. Uh, and it's funny because um, on our show, everyone knows Frank is a Milanista, but uh, they will seem to forget who I support, which is, I, I think is a, I take as a, a compliment because you don't know who I support. I'm trying to be as mm -hmm. unbiased as possible. But today, you can see I'm a Milan fan. So, um <laughs> Uh, let the, let the, let the listeners, the viewers, uh, know about you, about your podcast and where they can find you. It's just into worldwide guys, follow it, uh, everywhere. And we do have a side platform as well called football worldwide, where we talk a bit more about city, some other European content as well, but for mostly for my content, just go into worldwide on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook as well for into content and very unbiased stuff. Very raw. If you don't follow yeah. into, you can watch me losing my shit when we don't get a good result which has happened 11 times this season and that's just the losses that's just the losses so plenty of content for the for the haters <laughs> i second that i second that 100 so anthony yeah, thank you for coming on i much appreciate it kept us under an hour look at that just barely just barely both of us like to talk so uh we i wasn't so sure if we would get get under an hour or not but uh as always, you can follow me at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. Follow Frank at FTC underscore 21. More importantly, follow us at City I Sit Down across all, all platforms, uh, both for podcasts and for streaming. If you haven't done so yet, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube page and like the video. It would help the algorithms immensely. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's going to be fun, man. It's going to be fun. Um, cousins, but rivals all at the same time here. So, uh, Anthony, uh, best of luck for these next two legs. For us, uh, we'll talk no matter what, but uh, it's going to be crazy, man. So uh, get ready for some intensity. Uh, dude, thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure to be here. Always a pleasure to speak to you. And thank you to everyone in the chat as well. We'll speak straight after the game, I have no doubt. All right, ragazzi. Thank you for joining us early morning, Australia edition here. Uh, 5 a.m. on the East Coast here in the U.S. where I'm at. Uh, but uh, get ready for it for Anthony, for Interroll Wide, for City I Sit Down, Frank and I. Uh, we'll catch you soon at our normal time, Tuesday night, uh, just before the big game. Another preview, maybe. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, ciao, ragazzi.